Hello and welcome to the AYO podcast. Today I'll be chatting to Francis Evans, a musician with AYO over 10 years ago. In two months' time, Francis will be hosting the very first Warren Chamber Music Festival in regional New South Wales. The lineup of renowned and talented musicians are almost all AYO alumni. I chatted to Frances about her time with AYO and the importance of bringing chamber festivals like this to regional areas. Hi Frances, thanks for joining me. So in a couple of months you'll be hosting a chamber festival in the heart of regional New South Wales. What inspired this and have you done anything like it before? It is a first time experience for me being artistic director of a music festival and what I'm really looking forward to. I guess the inspiration um, has come from uh, Nick and I, um, my husband and I being musicians, we've moved back out to the family farm, uh, approximately 500 kilometres northwest of Sydney out at Warren. And um, and we've started teaching and making music in the community and playing some chamber music together, teaching the young ones in the community music. And out of the woodworks came all these beautiful um, people who were classical music lovers and it was suggested to me from two very dear friends in the community, Dr John Burke and Phil Lehman, who are classical music aficionados, that we run our own chamber music festival. It was um, inspired by uh, John actually attending the Port Ferry Music Festival in Victoria and he brought home the program and he said, on a smaller scale, can we attempt something like this? And I thought, well, we could attempt it on at least a medium scale. We won't go... Port Ferry scale quite yet, but uh, we could certainly do something substantial and something to create um, some real energy and, and passion around classical music in our rural community in Warren. And obviously with overseas travel restrictions in place over the past year, a lot of Australians have taken the opportunity to explore their own backyard. And what do you think are the positive aspects of this kind of change? Oh, I really hope that it does people uh, bring people from um, metropolitan communities out to Warren and perhaps they might even enjoy an extended stay here. We've got some beautiful attractions around this area, including um, the protective Macquarie Marshes. I, I think that, um, well, actually for us, COVID came on the back of a devastating and very sustained intense three-year drought. It was extending into its fourth year. So... Uh, COVID has been quite an interesting experience for farming communities because we already experienced a bit of isolation in itself just by being out here. Um, of course, COVID uh, exemplified that. But there was also relief in 2020 because the grass is now knee-high and we've had bumper crops um, right across the nation, actually. So for rural communities, um, it's been there's been hardship in COVID, so it'll be great to have other people come out and want to enjoy the landscape, enjoy our warm community, um, spend money in our communities, start to um, bring some revival after COVID into our communities. But also the breaking of the drought was a plus in 2020 for us. And the landscape is just primed and ready for travellers. It is a beautiful time to head west because it's just green and lush and, and there is positivity in the atmosphere. So I guess with people not travelling overseas, it is the time now to get out into Western New South Wales. It's really a very special and beautiful right now. Oh, wouldn't that be great? And so could you tell me about your musical career since your days with AYO? 
Sure. Um, I was, uh, my first time with AYO was in 2008. And I guess after that, um, yeah, I finished my Bachelor of Music in Canberra at ANU. I started to work with Canberra Symphony Orchestra and did lots of chamber music with players and staff at ANU. And it was wonderful, wonderful fun. Then I went down to Tasmania, did a bit more of the same. So I started to play um, at chamber music with people. I was doing postgrad studies. That's actually where I met my husband, Nick. Um, had a wonderful time at the conservatorium in Hobart. Um, and then I finally was able to line up a bit of casual work to do some Sunday live concerts with TSO. But um, I actually had to say no to that work and uh, start to travel down another fork in the road because I actually had a clash with my prac as a teacher. I had moved into education with study and I had a prac and I decided that's actually where my heart was beginning to lie, um, education rather than performance. And I was doing uh, my diploma in education and just loving being in the classroom, loving making music with young people. So my career turned off performance and went to education. Um, my husband, who I'd met down there, he continued um, to, to do performing until we headed west, and he's now um, teaching as well. But... Um, AYO really helped me to become a better listener, uh, to sit uh, in an orchestra, to um, love the repert orchestral repertoire, um, because of course, growing up out west uh, in Warren, I didn't have access to play with those ensembles um, frequently. So actually, AYO was the first time that I ever got to play in a in a large ensemble, and I think that I was perhaps even 21, 22, when I first auditioned and, and got in that year to play with AYO. I did National Music Camp, which was so, so, so much fun and got to meet Richard Gill for the first time and then uh, both seasons. So it was a huge boon for me, 2008. And you spoke of moving into sort of education. You also took part in AYO's National Music Teacher Mentoring Program. Can you tell me about that kind of, I guess, like full circle moment? You were talking about Richard Gill as well. So I guess that it all kind of connected for you there. Oh, in every way. Uh, Richard Gill, of course, being the godfather of the, well, the creator of the National Music Teacher Mentor Program. And I'm actually delivering that in this region now. I've had the privilege of delivering National Music Teacher Mentor Program to three very small uh, rural schools in this district. And I am about to deliver in term two and term three the program to another school in Warren. And um, oh, Richard Gill, what an inspiration and what a huge loss recently. Um, that we experienced with his passing, but he's left us with so much. And I, to be able to deliver the program, having worked with him as a musician under his baton, uh, it's just um, this beautiful coming together of ideas and inspiration and experience. I feel so lucky to have been able to work with the man on a number of occasions. And it's, it is not by coincidence, by but by some strange design that I'm now delivering that program out here, educating and directing a music festival. So I guess mm. there are stars aligning. Um, it's a really exciting time for Nick and I out west here. We've got a quite a um, a lot of students learning with us and um, and I guess Richard Gill's joy and love for delivering music has affected both of us uh, because that's how we feel about delivering mm. music out here. And I suppose we touched on why regional focus, but why specifically chamber music? Why a chamber music festival? 
great question. I feel like a chamber music festival here is achievable because of the relationships that Nick and I still have with so many wonderful musicians. Um, so we've got a double string quartet coming out that we know through friends, that we have friends coming out. We've got Kieran Fatak, who's this beautiful flute player. Um, Nick's playing clarinet. Greg Taylor playing bassoon. We actually, the, those four people did AYO together around the same time as Nick and I. And um, so AYO has had a huge influence on this festival, really. Uh, we feel like chamber music connects to people in a really intimate way. So we wanted to play repertoire that would inspire and educate um, this community. Uh, and there are lots of music lovers still in this community, uh, people who have travelled to go and be part of orchestral concerts or chamber music concerts. Um, and, of course, we've talked about having lots of students out here. It is still deeply ingrained in rural families, farming families, um, town families, to have their children learn music. It's really highly prized out here. So Nick and I feel really honoured um, and really cared for by the community uh, because of what we can deliver. But... Uh, we also have some beautiful venues in Warren and in the Warren Shire where chamber music is just going to work. So mm -hmm. I guess that's the reasoning behind running a chamber music festival. Mm -hmm. But we are actually welcoming Pacific Brass out in this festival. So not technically mm -hmm. a chamber ensemble, um, mm -hmm. but through our dear friend Ben Crocker and um, Bob O'Brien, we talked to them about running this music festival and they just threw their both hands up in the air, hey, can we bring Pacific Brass out? This is a great opportunity for us and it would be great for your community to hear this exceptional brass band. Um, yeah. And so I guess that evolved through these relationships that we've developed um, with musicians across the country. And yeah, yeah that, so that's kind of tying into the change of music, but of course not, yeah. not really strictly change of music. And this one might be a little bit hard for you to answer, but do you have like a favourite piece that you'll be performing? Not a hard question at all, actually. <laughs> the, the motivation for getting the double string quartet out is Appalachian Spring Suite for 13 Players. So an absolute favourite piece of mine. I got to perform this with some staff um, at the Conservatorium of Music in Tasmania, some members of the TSO and some university um classmates we we performed this a couple of times down in Tasmania and it is just if, if my heart could express often how I might be feeling it would be through Appalachian Spring so it's purely selfish reasons I've popped this into the program um it's such a wonderful piece of chamber music we have wonderful players booked to come out and play this the music is actually on its way um so yeah not tricky it is such an epic work um that we have decided to perform it twice uh, but apart from that, every concert that we have, we have four concerts in our festival over the weekend. Uh, they are all unique. They're all different uh, programs, but the Appalachian Spring is a repeat. And as you mentioned, almost the entire lineup of these musicians are AYO alumni, including your husband, Nick Evans. Do you feel your professional life has been shaped by your AYO experiences? Has that brought you to this journey, I guess? Oh, it's, yeah, hugely influenced it. Um, I I met a lot of the AYO alumni, actually probably through Nick. Nick did many, many years of AYO and uh, several national music camps um, and several seasons, including uh, an international tour. And the friends that you make in AYO, not just the music you cover, not just the 
the ensemble etiquette and technique you learn, but the friendships and the relationships you build with the musicians around you, either it's just your deskie or it's someone across the orchestra. They're actually lifelong for Nick and I. They really are lifelong friendships um, and bonds and memories. Uh, some of those memories, perhaps not every staff member would like to remember, but certainly there's so much fun to be had at AYO, so much bonding. Um, so, yeah, it really has heavily influenced, our, I guess, our field of friendship now, and that's really influenced the Chamber Music Festival. That's really lovely. How do you think we can build this stronger presence of classical music outside metropolitan areas, bringing it to regional areas like you're doing at the moment? I think it's a a tough question, but for those in the bush willing to apply for grants, um, invite people out, create an atmosphere, create a context for these uh, performances, I would say that metropolitan musicians are very willing almost ready to jump out of their skin to get out here. And I don't think it's just because COVID meant the industry was totally shaken up in the cities and there were lots of casual musicians, freelancers, contractors out of work. It has not been uh, that feeling for me. When I've approached um, not just friends, but other uh, just uh, friends, of, colleagues of friends, they have said, yes, we would love to come out west and play. I think they know that there are appreciative audiences out here. I think it's on a few musicians. I think the responsibility is on some of the musicians out west to make these things happen. But also, I think um, just like AYO um, and other organisations, I know the SSO have been looking at doing a lot more uh, touring, um, particularly into rural or remote communities in Australia because of COVID. So, this is the right time to get musicians out of the cities, um, out here, educating and celebrating the arts. And maybe even there's going to be a renewal of um, classical music and other arts areas in in regional and remote um, kind of places because of COVID. So Mm -hmm. head west. Head west. Head west. I wanted to throw in one more question, if you don't mind. I kind of wanted to know how regional audiences respond to this kind of music. Is there a, a large audience out there waiting for this kind of music or are you introducing it to the community? What's what's kind of going on there? There is so much excitement about this Chamber Music Festival uh, because it's not just about getting together, it really is also about the music. So I'm fielding questions about repertoire uh, from people in the community that um, don't necessarily jump out of me as classical music lovers, but they want to know what is going to be in that concert. They're invested. And... Uh, there is huge interest out west to expose young people to the arts, to classical music, to fine visual arts, um, to touring groups, to touring exhibitions. There is a huge interest out here and a huge commitment to travel to be able to um, access this. A lot of touring groups, um, uh, I guess even Music Viva and, and ensembles that move around the countryside, sometimes they can tend to stop at Dabo, which is 100 kilometres east. Uh, and then west of Dabo, there's still, it's still a bit dry in terms of getting um, ensembles travelling out further than that. So um, that would be an encouragement that I would send out to others if there um, are touring ensembles or groups or, or musicians in Sydney that want to start accessing 
kind of this region as a performance area. There are people willing to help you host concerts and there are willing audiences. So we expect to sell out the entire festival. We're probably not in a position to put on more concerts, but tickets are definitely selling. And um, and due to COVID, of course, a lot of the uh, venues have restricted uh, ticketing, so we won't be um, filling all our venues with uh, bodies, but as many as possible. Um, and yet t- tickets are really selling steadily and we do expect, expect to um, sell this out. It's going to be a biannual festival, so every two years. And um, we really think after this first festival, people will be hoping for it to be annual, but that will be... Um, we will have to revise that. Yeah. <laughs> the festival. I have discovered that it's an enormous amount of work uh, facilitating and changing music festival, but I know that it's going to be worth it. I wouldn't change it. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me on this podcast today. Oh, did I blab on? <laughs> <laughs>